Malcolm Dixon Bunch of Lincoln nuts and fire explosions blowing up Get the KY and the talcum Here comes Kevin right on Malcolm I tried recording this intro like 10 times and I was like, fuck it. I need to smoke a joint and then record it. So here we go. Welcome to Blowhard, ladies and gentlemen. Um, For those who don't know, Blowhard is a podcast that I did, my God, a decade ago. It started, um, Kevin Smith uh, was kind enough to start um, a podcast network where uh, he asked me to do a podcast um, tell him Steve, Dave, uh, a bunch of things came from that, from Kevin's wonderful generosity and getting us all kind of podcasting. And I've kind of gone off radar for a while. Life has gone crazy. Life has gone weird. Life has gone tragic and life is going on. So I was like, Hey man, I'm going to throw myself back into the ring and start podcasting. This is the first one. My first guest is Kevin Smith. Um, I'll join you back at the end of the podcast to give you some more information. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, now let's join a podcast blowhard already in session. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blowhard. This is something you haven't heard from a while, but um, I figured I'd get back into the podcasting business and um, basically like I left the podcasting uh, when Trump got elected. Uh, I was doing a podcast with Jason Muse and uh, I was like, if I'm doing a podcast while Trump is president, I'm going to get myself in trouble. So I left podcasting, but uh, I felt it was time to come back. And uh, so with all that said, um, the most obvious first guest I could ever ask for is Mr. Kevin Smith. Kevin. I left podcasting when I was in the catbird seat. And now I'm I'm re-entering when every, literally every human being on the the planet. (laughs) That was my six-year plan, people. Go out on top. I, I launched, saw, I launched I, my podcast in the top 10 at one point. Malcolm, Malcolm, hello, everybody. Malcolm has a graphic, <laughs> a screenshot that I took years ago, back in when I was knee deep in the podcasting game, kids. We're talking 2007. That's when I started getting into it. Um, you know, we'd launch a podcast from the Smodcast Network, such as Blowhard, and we could launch it like in the top 10. So Malcolm has these uh, screenshots that I took, which periodically he sends to me and he's like, what happened? <laughs> and I'm like, well, look, you didn't jump into podcasting to be the top 10 last time. It was just the idea of like, oh my God, I could have my own show. And when I got into it, the joy of it for me was like, oh my God, this is a way for me to shine a spotlight on people that I think are fucking funny. And, you know, in the beginning, I used to think of doing the podcast as like a sprawling autobiography that others helped me kind of, you know, orate. Um, But then it, you know, evolved into like a business. Um, Like, I remember at one point having a conversation with Scott going like, if this ever becomes a business, that's where it probably will fall apart. 
and you know it became a business and it didn't like necessarily fall apart but it moved away from you know why i did it in the first place which wasn't like i want to conquer the world i want to make a billion dollars it was really just like you know i i i can't believe i could do my own radio show and even if it's just for the people who like my bullshit like this is fucking amazing so we did two moves this year we moved out of our our house that Malcolm's been to many times, um, La Presa, which was like up on the, the, all the websites and shit. Wall Street Journal did a piece. I just saw a piece in Architectural Digest. About, on your house? On my house. Well, the house the, is ridiculous. Like, let's... Huge, huge house. I yes. got very lucky. I bought it from Ben Affleck many years ago. Um, back I mean, it's a, house, it's a house fit for Affleck. Truly. And I, I remember my father and I told Ben this when I was moving out of La Presa. I said, like, I have this photo of my father um, sitting outside on the stoop of my house um, with my mom. And, you know, my dad had had a stroke, so he had a cane and shit. And he, you know, he's so tiny, dwarfed by the giant fucking house. And Dude, an, an elephant is dwarfed by that fucking house, but but my old man, just like, I remember like, he was so impressed by that. Like, not so much. Like, and I told Ben, I was like, I don't know if he was more impressed by the fact that I'd achieved like a house like this, or that I swindled someone with more talent and money out of their house for a cheap <laughs> price. It was, a but he was, he, he was just like, he didn't, you know, he was just so impressed by this house. So when we left, you know, we, me and Jen moved out because uh, we had a fucking rough year last year, but we moved out um, with a few months into, or at the end of 2022, we were talking about selling the house. Uh, Harley had moved out, bought her own house. Gail and Byron had moved out. And so it was just me and Jen in 8,000 square foot. And we were like, maybe it's time to downsize. So we did, we went through the fucking process of finding a new house, found a house in the valley, bought that house and shit. It was more expensive than the house that I bought from Ben back in 2003. However, it was way smaller than that house. It was 3,000 square foot. So we had to figure out how to put 8,000 square foot worth of 20 years plus of life in a house into a new house with only 3,000 square foot um did did this move jen packs a lot of the house by herself and then we had the movers come in and pack the house and shit and moving they say is like one of the three most stressful things you'll ever do in your fucking life so we did it we moved got here to got to the berry house and stuff uh left la presa behind at which point it was taken over by the painters and the fucking people refurbishing the house um to get it ready for selling and they put it up on the market and we went off to make a movie in jersey we had a waiver so we went and made the 430 movie and while we were gone you know i was talking to jennifer and i was like um the staging company now when you sell a house apparently doesn't matter what size house uh, apparently the uh, real estate agents like to stage the homes now which means they get all your shit out and they move in fake furniture and stage a house, like stage your house to look its best for sales. So like when we were selling the price, uh, like I was like, well, can we just fucking leave all our shit here? Why do we have to move out? 
Like, you know, we've I've gone to look at houses where people live in the fucking house and shit. I don't care. And they're like, well, it's not the best way to sell a house of this size and blah, blah, blah. You know, we've been in that house for like 20 years plus. So Jennifer like put most of shit in place. Like every wall was covered with artwork or photographs from our life and stuff. It was just this giant museum and stuff. And, and deconstructing it and taking all that shit to a different place was a real fucking hassle and a real like fucking well we did it and we're in the valley and now for the rest of our life we'll be in the valley but like i said like they we rented that furniture and for the first it was a chunk of change for the first few months i don't want to say how much because it's just gross but it's a lot of money and the in december we were going to have to make a decision whether we were going to keep the furniture at which point like we got a rate for three months for this price. At that point, it becomes a monthly thing. And the monthly price is almost as big as like the rate we'd got for the three months. So, you know, I said to Jennifer, I was like, there's a, there's a world where we move back into our home. And I know that means a lot to you. Like Jennifer loves this house and where she lives does matter to her. So I was like, you know, there's this, here's this, and I laid out the path. And, you know, she was like, don't fuck with me. I was like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm being serious. I was like, this sort of thing seems to matter to you. So like, you know, here's the, here's, here's the move. Here's how we can get back into the house and how it financially makes sense. It's not us being, you know, cause she was like, oh, everyone's going to think we're fucking crazy. And I'm like, number one, like anyone who thinks we're crazy after like the fucking, all they have to do is look at the front page of the news and see that we're the sanest fucking game in town just because we moved out and we're talking about moving back, that's, if anything, that's eccentric. You know, it's not fucking nuts. And especially because we didn't sell the house and we're like trying to buy it back. Say the story of Rocky selling Buckus, you know, Sylvester Stallone selling his dog. And then when Rocky gets bought, he's trying to buy the dog and the guy's like 50 grand. And he's like, I don't care. And he pays it and shit. We never even let, let go of the house. We still own the house. So I was like, let's just, let's go back. And oh, she fucking like a fish to water took to that idea. So Carol, who runs our, you know, my life financially, you know, I told her the plan and shit. At first she was like, what? But then she was like, you know what? That makes absolute financial sense. And my point is this. I was like, look, the Writers Guild strike is over. I said, the SAG strike, even if it ends tomorrow, nobody going back to work until the beginning of next year. Nobody coming into crazy money enough to buy a fucking ridiculous house until like next year, the earliest, maybe the year after that. So you know how you, you know what kind of house will sell? The house that we had moved into, the 3,000 square foot house. Like we'll get offers on that. It'll flip quick. I said, so let's sell that house, the house we just bought and move back into the house, the house that we flat out own and shit. So, no so yeah, we're no longer in the valley. You're no longer a, a valley girl. No, I know. And I got to have my, I lived in the Valley experience and I still go to the Valley all the time and shit, but like, you know, the house, I love the house. It was great, but it she's, just, she's not out there somewhere. Yeah. Like this, this is, we, we, we weren't like looking for a house because we were like, well, we should get a house. We were looking for a house because we were told like, get out so we can refurbish your house. And once they refurbished the house, it's like, oh man, the house looks good and everything's fixed and right and plumb. Like an hour leaving. So with the eight, there's a long way of getting to this. 
moving us back into the 8,000 square foot, like there's nothing going on on the bottom floor. Harley doesn't live here anymore. Byron and Gail don't live here anymore. And that's where they dwelled. So Harley's room will become a guest room where all the artwork's going to go. And then that other side of the house, the three, the little bedroom, Gail and Byron's old office and Gail and Byron's old bedroom, that's going to become my suite of offices. So I'm currently in Gail and Byron's old bedroom, and that's going to be my office. And the room next to me, which used to be Gail and Byron's office, if I decide to commit to podcasting, like based on this idea that I was toying around with, um, I would do it there because podcasting is for most people i'm happy to see you're still a traditionalist but podcasting for most people is video as well these days so that room would be good for shooting in we'll so we'll, we'll see but here's the real story i told you all that to tell you the real fucking scoop so you know the moving into back to the price that accelerated from a conversation to a reality within two weeks and the moving company came two weeks ago and they were like, uh, let's do it again in four months, shall we? Same fucking crew. Knew how to fucking get us out of the other place and get us back because they did it in reverse a few months prior. And um, they come on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They, they've been moving. Uh, two weeks ago, they were moving us in, going back and forth. So Jennifer, you know, she's... Uh, She's like, I, I'm like, I got a thing in in Jersey, like the, the Russo brothers very generously, you know, after I'd asked him like a long time ago, hey, man, come to the theater. They fucking found a time and they came to the theater and we're like, we can do a show. So it kind of popped up on the schedule. And, you know, I told Jen, I was like, I got to go back for this Russo brothers thing. And then I've got a show in Minnesota, Twin Cities Comic Con. And so, you know, with the move back and forth, I was like, we need the money and shit. So, you know, I might as well, I got to go. And she was like, yeah, no, I get it. Um, she's like, you know, the move's almost done tomorrow. They just moved the plants over and stuff. And she's like, and I'm going to start unpacking while you're gone for 48 hours. And then when you come back, you know, the whole family go out to eat. And I was like, great. So November 2nd, I get on a red eye, leave the house at 10 o'clock. I'm on a red eye at 1120 send Jen a picture of myself on the plane like I always do just to be like here I am she didn't respond but I was like yeah she's probably sleeping uh I slept on the flight I landed turned on my phone first message comes up is a a, a text from Harley who never texts at the wee hours like you know she sleeps till like noon she's a fucking vampire so it the first text said have you landed? Can you call me when you land? And I know that's an emergency. So I called her and she's like, you know, uh, before you say anything, everybody's fine. That's always an indicator. You never want to hear that. Yeah. Somebody's <laughs> fucked based on that comment. So she told me the story of what happened. So I leave the house, La Presa, 10 o'clock. Uh, 11 o'clock, Jennifer goes to close the place up. She goes downstairs. She locks, double locks the front door because got a keyless entry system but if you turn you know the top lock and locks like any old door and shit even if you got the code you ain't getting in so she locks up and fucking goes up to bed and puts her water on the fucking side table and goes to turn off the lights in the room and you know there's like one step up to our 
platform, the, the platform where our bed is in the bedroom and the alcove and shit, tiny step, one step, like just raises it one step above the floor for the rest of the primary bedroom suite. And I have slipped on that step wearing socks. You'll slide because the floors are wood and polished and they're very slippery and shit. So I've fallen. Jennifer fell and split her chin once on New Year's Eve, a couple of years back, 2019, 2020. So it's a lethal little step. And Jennifer got stepped. She fucking went to turn the light off. Her foot went off the step. She went down. She missed the end table, the heavy wooden end table that was near her fucking temple by a quarter of an inch. That would have fucking killed her. She landed on her hip on, on the step. And Jennifer has very pronounced hips, like handlebar hips. You know, we've been married. Oh, we've been together 26 years. We're coming up on 25 years married and stuff. You know, Jennifer's got a set of hips that are very pronounced that like, they're like handlebars on a bike and shit. So that sounds dirty, dude. Well, my wife's got handlebar hips. Like that's that's how, you, that's, how you, that's how you keep a marriage together for a quarter of a century, bitch. That's filthy fuck, dude. You're talking that's about right. your you're talking well, about your wife get having an accident. You're like in her fucking not yet, not yet, not yet, um, not. All right. So then she had an accident. Yeah, she fell. <laughs> she uh she smashed. Her hip, her the ball and socket for her leg smashed through her hip. Femur, maybe it's called. I don't know. But like, you know, you think of a set of hips, smashed the fucking top of the hip, shattered it. My Didn't biggest like, fear break. right here when um, you're talking about like I, it, it was dude, she said you should fear it. Because she said I do. No, I do. She said it was the most painful thing she'd ever been through. She's like, I've had a child. And she's like, this was a hundred times worse. She's like, I've never imagined that a human being could feel this much pain. Her leg was like completely was attached to her body, but completely lifeless, just dangling, right? Because she'd shattered and come out of the fucking, there was no socket or anything. So she was laying there in the dark. The two German shepherds are like, Burr! and you know, she's in fucking agony. Mercifully, she had her phone on her. So she calls the, the, um, you know, uh, paramedics and shit. Then she calls Harley to be like, can you get over here and shit? Harley answers because it's late at night. And she's like, mom never calls this late. So she's coming over with Austin. Paramedics get here with the fire truck, of, uh, you know, as always. That's what happens when you call an ambulance. They couldn't get in the front door because it's double bolted. Even with the code, it's like you can't get in the front door. So they used the ladder to go up to the second floor of the house because the windows were open. But oh, when they so got it it was an ordeal. Like, oh, it the, neighbors, the neighbors were like, the Smiths are back. You yeah. know, the whole street, <laughs> the whole street came out to watch. The whole street was there. So we're they are uh they, they tried to, get... to bring her down the ladder, did they? Like she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> look at the ladder. Like, no, worse. So what they they get to the top and the dogs are going nuts. So they can't get in the house because the dogs are like, there are people at the window. Woof, woof, woof. This is what we were trained for. Woof, 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 woof. And um, so Austin has to break into the house and open the front door from inside, unlock it and shit. 
12 fucking paramedics go inside six to put her on the fucking stretcher and and it was a half an hour affair they had to cut her clothes off so jennifer is like austin gather them and um like every everything they did they they gave her like three doses of fucking um you know whatever drug they give you to fucking knock you out morphine and she still felt 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 pain like it, it was it sounds like a nightmare um they got her down the stairs into the hospital and she was in the er cedars was fucking booked so she went to the kaiser permanente on sunset she was in the er for like six hours on um, this was thursday night into friday morning on saturday morning she had emergency hip replacement surgery like there was no like you know some people like i had a bad hip for years and i'm gonna get hip replacement surgery and it's scheduled and you know it's coming and shit this motherfucker just woke up one morning and shit she's like i'm gonna be unpacking boxes by the end of the day had a shattered fucking hip and do you know what that does to your mobility it's not like breaking an arm where you're like well this is an inconvenience but i could still get around like you are fucked well you're in like rehab for fucking forever like that's getting up getting down like it's you know it's an ordeal everything fucking hurts for her you think she's damning the new house like she she like this fucking house i should have left you what a great question you would think but no way bro she's like i still love you oh so much brand you hurt me but i love you it doesn't matter i was like we should replace that fucking stuff she's like nope she's like you know i will just wear sneakers going forward and i'm like wow man wow like that's fucking loves that house thank god she didn't fall at the other house because oh my god we would have been like this is your fault um you made us move here but if she fell in this house which she did she doesn't seem to bear a grudge against the house but you know so i've been with her every waking moment um since i got back she nursemaid yeah pretty much playing nursemaid (laughs) um she um you know is my my chief job of course aside from like getting her from place to place if she needs it although she's pretty mobile with the walker at this point and stuff could they rebuild the handlebar hips like i, is, I don't know i haven't, I haven't has that crossed it. have you allowed that to cross your like i used to love this hand i know i haven't test driven it yet we'll see oh my um, goodness i still got the one side but um my chief job is just keep her spirits up, you know, keep her from getting fucking depressed. Cause this is a depressing situation. Like when you're medically waylaid and shattering of a hip sounds like something that happens to like people in their seventies and eighties. So she's fighting that as well. Like the notion of like, I'm old. And it's like, you're fucking 52. Like this was a freak accident. Otherwise, you were never going to have fucking hip replacement surgery in this life. So, you know, and that's how I've been keeping her spirits up. I've been like, be fucking sensible. Shut up. (laughs) It's not going to work. No, that's not not the direction you want to go. I'm just. We've been watching a lot of like uh, movies and shit. Like, you know, I threw up Ashtar the other night and she was like, that was perfect. And you do it a lot. A lot of Albert Brooks and, you know, just trying to keep her spirits up. So that's where I am in the world, man. And that pretty much like cancels out the rest of my year. I was supposed to be going back to Smodcastle in in December 
to do some uh, to do some auction and shoot a sizzle reel for something, but I'm I got to push all that to January. You're not doing some auction. I'm going to do it in January. It's nothing that can't wait. Fair you enough. Know. You're a good man. You're taking care of your woman. Yeah, you know, I, it's just. Although they're kind of you're you're having champagne problems. Yeah, that's, oh, what, you're, you're that's not, what that's what Taylor it, Swift would say. She'd call them champagne problems. Excellent segue. It is champagne problems because it's actually affording me a staycation where I'm like, oh shit, I don't have to go someplace. I get to stay home for a minute, like you know. And and this is what Jennifer wanted. And it's a hell of a way to get it, but she got it. But find- uh, I got a blank uh, 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 spot, baby, and I'll write your name if uh, you want to talk about Taylor Swift. Well, I mean, I, I you you had, it sounds like you've had your ups and downs. This year's been a fucking, this year's been a very fucked up year for me. I've had a lot of personal tragedy. And right. um, <clears throat> I found my cure in kind of, uh, like really well-written pop music. So I've been really, really getting into Taylor Swift. Like actually like my, my, like I, I'm in a tizzy. Uh, Taylor Swift yesterday uh, did a release of a lover snow globe, which is this fucking like amazing fucking snow globe with the lover house in it. And you shake it and it plays the song lover. And she fucking dropped it at three o'clock yesterday and fucking I was out doing a hike and I came back and I missed like lover is my favorite era. It's fucking horrible. So then it, like it's basically <laughs> so, so I was like, did he just shoot heroin? Does any of this make sense? And now I'm starting to make sense of it. She dropped a limited edition item and you missed yes. your getting it. I missed like look and it happens just... to have a song from your favorite era of taylor swift she's had lover is my favorite era and and she released a snow globe for it you're talking to a complete virgin she's had a few different eras i take it yes she's doing the eras tour right now of which she's playing several songs from each era i've seen the movie four times it's what constitutes an era like a dynasty an era is like every album three, three hockey cups what constitutes an era an era is an album oh so she's so basically like every era like it starts with like the self-titled and then like you know it goes all the way up until her last release which was midnight and then she's doing the uh re-releases of the albums because scooter braun fucked her over like yeah scooter well hey man taylor's had a tough road like my love for taylor kind of like I I brought my family to go see the 1989 tour because that was a good kind of poppy romp. And I was like, hey, and tickets weren't at like $2,000 at the time. And I like I saw Taylor Swift and I was like, that's the fucking greatest show I've ever seen. Like literally like there's a point in the fucking show where she's like got this like ramp that goes out into the audience. And then all of a sudden it rises up and starts doing 360s and fires like fireworks are going off and she's saying shake it off and i'm like fuck yeah like i got like look i'm a i'm a gay like this is this shit is like you know so um i got really like i was like wow she's amazing and then i kind of put it away for a while and then she she dropped the track 
um, there was this pro-gay thing, which is you need to calm down. And it had a great video, which a bunch of gay icons. So she got back into my whole radar and I'm like, oh, Taylor's kind of cool. And then all of a sudden you heard about Scooter Braun, who is Justin Bieber's agent, um, all of a sudden picked a fight with her and fucking like bought all of her um, ma- bought all of her um, masters. So all of the recordings of her music are owned by this guy, Scooter Braun, and a holding company. And Taylor Swift doesn't like doesn't like Scooter Braun because he's with Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber didn't treat Selena Gomez very well. So fucking like Taylor Swift doesn't like that because Taylor and Selena are really close. So there's some fucking issues between Taylor and Scooter Braun via Selena I believe, Gomez. I believe, and Justin uh, I believe they have bad blood. Is that they right? They have bad blood. They do. But the bad blood she had in that, she had that bad blood with Katy Perry because uh, Katy Perry stole some of Taylor Swift dancers. And then Taylor Swift was like, we have bad blood. You don't fuck with my dancers. I'm just going to take this opportunity while you draw breath after that nearly breathless retelling of perhaps (laughs) the greatest crisis that Taylor Swift has ever faced. to say that you speak of Taylor Swift with the fervency with which the QAnon folks speak of their passion. Um, I'm not saying you are QAnon by any stretch of the imagination, but the fervency, like you just went down a rabbit hole where I'm like, wait, this happened to you? Oh no, we're still talking about someone. No, it's all Taylor and the weird thing is you're supposed to call her mother, but I don't do that. Why mother? I don't know. I don't really want to dig too deep into that, but a lot of Swifties thought, refer to I Taylor Swift as her, mother. I thought they called her Tay-Tay. Well, there's Tay-Tay. Tay's a cute name, but essentially, if you're a hardcore Swiftie, she's mother. Do you consider yourself a hardcore Swifty? Should I be? I wouldn't call her. No, well, no, no, no. If I was a hardcore Swifty, I would have the Lover Snow Globe, Kevin. Like I don't I have mean, the Lover like, Snow like Globe. The fact that you took the time to tell me that fucking story, and you can hear how bereft you are to not have that snow globe. I got up in the morning and I looked on eBay, like, and I was just I like, "They're they're way too much. I can't do this." Like the thing about it is, is that you how much. How much? Right now, it's about two fifty, and it's just like I can't. I'm not gonna. I can't spend that on a snow globe. That's ridiculous. But ultimately, Nothing? like, yes. With Christmas coming, I'm gonna. I'm gonna fucking do you a solid. Right oh, you now. can't. You can't do that. eBay.com. What is I it gotta, called? I gotta Taylor, earn. I gotta earn my globe. Taylor Snow Globe. Oh, you'll oh, see them on there. Okay. There's a bunch. All right, so. No. Uh, uh, yeah. Which, how about you know what? Let's be. I do see a bunch, but I mean, which one do you? All right, because it's, the, it's the lover, lover, lover. Um, okay, the song makes me cry. One hundred and eighty or best offer. One eighty nine or best offer. Um, buy it now. One hundred and fifty. This one is a hundred. Could you imagine if I actually like start up this entire podcast to find a way to convince you of me to buy the the lover snuggle? 
I'm not even convinced it is a podcast. I think you went through all this trouble to make it sound like it's a podcast. And I was like, this is actually oh, just a phone call. This is a fucking... This is We're a not shit. recording any of this. Um, No, but the thing about, like... Like... Like it's been a while since, like, because we're both merch. Like when you were young, you had that hard on for merchandise. Like you remember that. Like it, it pretty much defined your career. Like you were a person. Like there's nobody who understands <laughs> merchandise more than you on both sides, man. Let me make sure this is the fuck. Okay, so there's a. It's a snow globe. It's got gold trim. There's a house yes. in it. There is a. That's the lover house. They're all pre-sales because they won't get they don't get released until just before Christmas. You don't understand Black Friday is coming up and she's doing new drops every day, apparently. She's a hell of a business person. All right, man, I'm doing this. I'm pulling the trigger. Dude, you don't have to do this. Buy it now. You don't gotta do this, dude. I'm having it sent directly to you. Um it's I mean, thank you very kindly. So yeah, so basically I listened to a lot of fucking Taylor Swift and now I'm I'm fascinated with her merchandise and her merchandise is very complicated and I'm starting to find out about it. And like, she's got snow globes for every record, for every album. Lover is my favorite. I don't think I'll go down the lover rabbit hole, but who fucking knows what I'll become. Like, that's the thing about merchandise. That's the thing about when you, like, because now I fucking, like Taylor Swift means something now. Cause she helped me get through like a fucking bad period of my life. And also she's a fucking really like, I think that Taylor Swift is going to save Western civilization. Um, because she getting people to vote and shit. Not only is she getting people to vote, but the thing about it is, is right now you're looking at two perfect examples of the American dream. You're looking like Travis Kelsey and her, like that fucking moment, like when she went running to him after the concert, like that was a, a fucking John F. Kennedy, Marilyn Monroe fucking happy birthday moment. Like these are iconic fucking romance like, moments what, that are happening. Yeah, you're assuming that I know what you're talking about. What fucking, what, what moment are you talking about? Well, you know, she's dating Travis Kelsey as a football player. Has she confirmed that or no? I thought it was. Oh, yes. That. We got confirmed. He he flew all. He's in a he's in a bye week where essentially they get a week off of their game to go and fucking do whatever. He flew down to fucking Argentina where she's planned. Showed up at the gig, and she fucking changed the lyrics to her song, uh, the song Karma, and she said like uh, Karma is a chief uh, coming back home to me. Like, so she fucking confirmed it right there. The audience goes nuts. Everybody's gone nuts. And then there's this fucking beautiful shot after the show of him standing there, like behind stage. And then she like slowly is kind of walking off the stage area. And then she sees him and she does the dorkiest run to him. It, it's absolutely like, it's adorable. It's so obviously like a girl in like she's just dorkily runs into his arms and they kiss and it's and like and basically like a fucking 10 million swifties heads just fucking exploded um i recognize what's going on here uh-oh last year 
or this year rather. Um, I had a break with reality and I went to a mental health facility. <laughs> this is not that. So you're okay. Okay. What this is though, comparable to what I went through was years prior I now realize I had a nervous breakdown after Zach and Mary. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to fucking say. I became deeply, deeply entrenched in the lure of Wayne Gretzky. And I mean, he became my lodestar. He became. Like, you know, I watched every documentary. I started buying memorabilia. Like, he became my the the thing that, the light by which a path out of the darkness was illuminated. And I couldn't understand why, because I'm not a sports enthusiast. Um, I like hockey, but like, you know, this was not a New Jersey devil by any stretch of the imagination. This is the most popular fucking hockey player who ever lived. And his career was completely over at this point. But letting go of my shit and embracing the life of somebody else, every detail, um, every moment every all of their successes became all of his successes became somehow my successes as well like i was rooting them on as but these things happened long before i ever discovered them man and uh it it helped like it was for a long time that was the buoy that uh you know i i wanted to write an entire book on gretzkyism when you uh, found you were you also found like the inherent good in him like that's the thing and like he also gave you a lot of wisdom it's funny because like it's it's like now that you're saying it it freaks me out completely because you're right yeah you you had a really bad year malcolm and so you've had the equivalent uh equivalent see of a of um of a nervous breakdown and you know um fucking falling into the down the rabbit hole of taylor swift is the way out for you um you know it's your way to just kind of uh, everything the real world got too much for us and suddenly viewing the real world through the filter of this person who came from nothing and simply by, you know, sharing their gift with the world made an impact, an incredible impact and became, you know, very nearly a God on earth. Um, not just famous, but like fucking excellent at what they do. And I, you know, for me, it was not another filmmaker, right? It wasn't another storyteller because that would have been also threatening to me at the same time, because then I'd have to compare where I was in my career to them. I, you know, for some reason found comfort and chose this hockey player because there would never be a 
crossover. I would never be like, yeah, but fucking if I had just tried as hard as him, I could play hockey. Like it, it was a guy from a completely different world. And now it feels like, you know, you grabbing her. It's not like you haven't always liked Taylor Swift in a, in a, uh, you know, and not even in an ironic or cheeky way. It's, she writes, you know, bangers, man, and earworms and shit. But you have now gone from, you know, a mild interest to almost, you know, needing a catechism to follow your conversation. Um, if that catechism was devoted to, you know, uh, Swiftism or whatever her fucking cult is called. And again, I'm not shitting on her. I think she's very talented. I, you know, here, you know, our little crossover, right? Me and Taylor Swift. What? Yeah, you're gonna love this because you tasted it as well. What? Yeah, give it, give it all to me. Yeah, so many give years. Give it to ago, me, man. Give it to me. Many years ago, during my nervous breakdown, post, uh, um, you know, Zach and Mary, which included going to meet Malcolm for the international bear rendezvous to do a live blowhard out there. And then coming back and fucking running into the whole too fat to fly incident, which ironically earlier in the day, and I'm trying to find that footage. We filmed a podcast in front of a bunch of fat men. And basically you've never been more, appreciated for your size and like you went from the spectrums in hours like you were being sexualized and fetishized for your fat in a room full of men and you went into like that fucking nightmare yeah oh and then the reverse happened at the you know but um at the airport so yes. i um at that point stopped flying and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to buy a bus. Well, first I rented a bus and I was like, this is great. It reminds me of the Partridge family. And, you know, fucking I, a bus could get you places. You just got to leave a lot earlier. And it gives you time to, to read and, and well, not read, write and smoke. I could smoke weed if I own the bus, not worry about anything and shit. It's a moving house. So I went looking for a bus, found a bus. And the bus I bought, the bus you've been on, the Shecklador, previous that owner. That was his owner, previous owner. That was not. That was Tay -Tay. mother's bus. A young Tay Tay Swift's bus. Now, I don't know if it was the one she slept in, um, but she had. That was a guy, nice bus. Really nice bus. She had three or four of them he said he goes she's got three or four buses i was like why because when and when did i buy that bus 2008 or something 2009 say like, yeah 2009 so she was a thing by then yeah but, she was uh, when did, like she really broke on the national scene when kanye was like you know interrupted her i'm gonna let you finish or whatever the fuck when he interrupted her at the mtv that was when you would have first heard of her Yes, I knew she. I'm not saying she never had no fans. She had a fan base, but that's what popped. That's, her that's when she entered the Zika. You know what's really interesting about that? Like as a side, if you go back, is I mean, I've obviously been doing a lot of deep dives. She was like 19 years old when that Kanye thing happened, 
And like she had to go from a stage to meeting the press and all this stuff. And she never had like she had never had public like a publicist interference. It all happened very live and in the moment. And if you watch the interview she does straight after, she's like she's not some like frightened girl or anything or angry. But she's very fucking like she handles herself incredibly well. Like that girl, um, she's a smart motherfucker. Anyway, I interrupted. That bus. So, that is your. She's become your uh, your buoy. Well, it's interesting because the thing about like the things that you were dealing with were uh, like basically what Wayne Gretzky represents is the great one. Like, and essentially, like, you know, in your, like, you, you've dealt with, you've touched greatness yourself. Um, absolutely. Like, you know, the films you've made, the influence you've done, like, so that would be like, logically, and it's really fucked up because like the thing I have a lot of problems with in life is love. And she is all about love. And like basically, like the song "Lover" that the Snow Globe is about is like this beautiful song about her, like about her ideal love. And the greatest thing, like the great thing about Taylor Swift is like she's not one of those people you believe in that will all of a sudden terrify you. Like in the Lover video, like she casts like a black lead. Like her politics are fucking solid. She's you know. She stated her issues with Trump. Travis Kelsey fucking, like, you know, does ads for uh, vaccines. Like, these are, these are like the American dream at work. And they're both incredibly heavily influential people. And I think that essentially, like, it's hard. Like, how could you argue against these? Like, like one of the greatest victories that Tra Taylor Swift has going for her is if people don't refer to her as a bitch, which is a disgusting fucking word that negates women for so has negated women for so long, who actually show any kind of like, uh, you know, any kind of individual fucking drive or thought or anything. But Taylor Swift, like, literally took a Meg Scooter Braun, like, lost his fucking client base. Like, Justin Bieber's right now is not even fucking doing anything. Because everybody's afraid of this fucking, you know, what Taylor Swift has become. But, like, she's not malevolent, her fucking, she's she's for good. And uh, I love that. Like, it's something to believe in. And, like, that's, a, I guess. Well, that's, that's what it comes down to. You reached a place in your life where most people um, would turn to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you You can't do that because that's not your thing. Jesus ain't going to do it for you. Jesus is just all right with you, but he's not going to save you. You need something brighter and something more relevant. And, you know, this girl's work, this lady's work speaks to you um, and makes you feel better. And thinking about her adventures and life give you the same guideposts that you know the faithful get from reading the gospels and you know like oh uh, i think what this story meant was you can pull meaning from shit and you point out that she's powerful but benevolent and you know she just defeated the devil who is scooter brawn um 
all this stuff is needed. It's necessary. You just hit a place in life where you need something to believe in. Um, you know, life's let you down. You've taken some fucking personal uh, hits based on deep fucking losses this year. And so hope, faith, something to put your faith in, something to believe in, is absolutely the tonic, the balm, B-A-L-M, that your soul needs right now. And, you know, whether you like this girl's work or not, um, clearly she's on the side of the angels. Um, you know, she ain't trying to take from people and shit. She got her own thing. She built it her fucking self. I'm sure her parents helped and whatnot. Um, but now she's fucking world famous and you can take solace from the lessons of her life. You know, there's some aspect of dream and wish fulfillment when you look at her. And again, not threatening. She's not a filmmaker. So you'll never look at her and be like, yeah, but where, where am I compared to her? So based on that, you know, view it through the same lens. You would view people whose work you've previously admired or aspired to. You don't aspire to do her work. You're happy to let her do it. It doesn't make you want to do it. Seeing movies made you want to make movies. Her work, you know, it's nobody goes to church going like, well, I want to be God. And they go because they're happy to put their faith in something larger than themselves. So it's not like you going, oh, shit. Like, that's my next thing. I'm going to do music just like her. Uh, the way you may have looked at, like, Robert Altman's MASH and been like, oh, fuck, I want to make a movie one day or whatever the fuck back in your ancient days. Her, you could just listen to, go on the journey and have it reflect your life, not your ambitions, not your career, not how you've earned, not how you've judged yourself against others unnecessarily, but we all do that as artists. You can just let this artist's art envelop you and it has no sharp edges to you and your journey whatsoever. It buoys your journey, particularly at this time. Uh, in your life. So I get it hundred percent, man, whether or not, you know, I could join you on the journey and as much as like, you know, I know a song or two of hers and whatnot. And it's clearly enough to be like, Oh, she, she got talent. Fuck man. And I respect any songwriter writes their own lyrics and stuff. Um, but you know, you don't need anyone on this journey. You got so many other Swifties there. They're, that gives you a sense of community as well. You know, you're not alone in this world. Because there are a bunch of you that have faith in the same deity. And it makes sense that you would, you know, turn to artifacts, totems, and arcana. And that's what the faithful always do. You could always sell a saint's fucking bones or a crucifix made of fucking the wood of Jesus. And I don't mean scams. I just mean, like, fans will always want a piece of something. So it makes sense that you want the snow globe, which will come to me and then go to you. I just texted you the information. You know, it's really beautiful. And it's like the absolute truth is that like you yourself fill this role for people. Like you're the only person I know. And it's like, you know, I, I, like, I, I just feel like you're like a brother. Like I, I don't often kind of, you know, like 
I think about kind of, you know, the wonderful things like that are, that are part of your world, but like, we like, essentially we just spend a lot of time just shooting the shit about absolutely nothing. Um, you, you and me. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're one of my favorite people in the world. Like we have the most normal friendship. Like, it's just like, but like, I'll never, I'll never deny that there's facets of things that you experience that like, I'm not shy. Like I'm not too cool for school. I'm like, Oh my God, that's fucking incredible. Like there's so much stuff like that you get to do. And I remember like, this will always stick with me. Like <clears throat> where one of our, one of our infamous fights. Um, and basically like we, we like we basically called a, a fucking a ceasefire and uh i went to visit you in ottawa and i was waiting for you backstage and you do this great thing where after your show if people want they could do a meet and greet and they get a ticket and they come back and meet you and the way you have it set up is that people kind of come around a corner and you're there and i sat like just waiting for you watching i'd never really done it before and i just watched how people when they saw you like how like literally they, they like their entire aura just changed and it was the most fucking wonderful thing to watch like just kind of like how much your presence and you and you know and you're so you're really great with people in that situation maybe because you've been a fan yourself or whatever like but you like it's 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 just a wonderful wonderful thing to watch imagine like, being imagine being at the receiving end of it where every expression as they come around the fucking thing, you get to watch them change. And they're like, you know, they look at you um, like you did something for them as if it, I didn't do it for myself. Like I made a movie because I wanted to express myself, but whatever that movie is, whichever one it is connected with them in such a way that they felt it was for them. And it's their life preserver. You know, it's the thing they turn to when fucking the world gets shitty or they just need to get away, um, escape, or it's their uh, comfort blanket film, like where they'll put it on and go to sleep listening to it. They can do the dialogue backwards and forwards, awake or not. It's an honor to be thought of that by any person, let alone a bunch of people and stuff. And, and treating it all seriously just makes sense to me these are as i've said many times this is as close as i get to having an employer every one of those people walks around that fucking curtain or anyone sitting in the audience so would you go to your boss and be like fuck you i mean you might because you've been, <laughs> i have but like, most people wouldn't most people you know are obsequious to their fucking boss and it's no difference here it's just my boss happens to be everybody who buys a ticket and whatnot and I'm happy to be obsequious to people that are obsequious to me as well. Like, you know, like, oh, my God, you're so fucking talented. And it's like, not really. I just made pretend. And some of the stories I tell coincided with where you were in life when I told them. I'm really curious to see what people make of the new movie. I'll be honest with you, man. I, I, I this just recently I've started to feel like, oh, my time is coming to a close. And, you know, really? Yeah. And you? it's weird to say, yeah, it's weird to say because, you know, I've had 30 fucking years, but like, like time, time in what sense? Like, what do you mean your time? Like your my relevancy, my well, like I'm not 
Um, I'm not going to be doing my strongest work from now until the time I fucking die. Like that period is over. Um, I that's can't. Not, that's not true though, because essentially, like, here's the, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but like, look, dude, like you're already talking. Like, podcasting is a is a valid form as anything. You just base like the brilliance of you is that you just kind of change. Like you basically you go where you feel and you bring your feel to it. So like, I like you're ubiquitous, dude. Like by now, like your generation, parents showing their things to kids, like that kind of shit. Like that's like, it's really interesting. Like advertisers spend all their money advertising to the young because basically people are brand loyal. That's been proven. So that's why I'll advertise it for their lung because like people choose their Crest Toothpaste. And if they get them with Crest Toothpaste when they're 15 or 16, they'll be Crest Toothpaste till they die. Like your generation and now basically you get passed on. Like, have you heard of this fucking guy, this movie, this thing? Like that's- I do see, I, I do see a lot of young people at the cons, which always surprised me where I'm like, wow, man, like you were, in, you were come when we made these movies. But that's but it. But I, I think honestly, I think I think the watching the Marvels collapse at the box office, watching this whole year of comic book movies collapse at the box office, like makes me feel like, oh, it's, you know, the, that gravy train, which is something that I've never made one myself, unless you count dogma. Um, I've directed some episodes of Supergirl and the Flash and whatnot, but never made a big comic book movie but i sure lived off them like and you know people like hey you know about this shit come talk and i made a lot of money being a guy who you know was just methuselah on the mountain who's been talking about this shit since 95 with mall rats so you know that's something that happened i didn't make that happen i mean i talk about the geek culture in my movies but i couldn't make fucking marvel movies happen or be successful but once they were I got to take something of a ride, even though I never worked on a single one of them. So, you know, I can't complain when it all comes to a close, but it seems like, you know, superhero fatigue is a real thing. And, you know, there have been other websites reporting like, you know, people live off of an economy of fandom, right? So like, there are people that make a living just making videos about fucking Marvel and DC movies. And can't do it anymore because interest in those subjects has dropped considerably. We could see it reflected in the numbers on Fat Man Beyond. Some people are just like, yeah, I'm fucking done talking about comic book movies. So with the winds of change being what they are, like I sit around going, well, that's one less place or certainly the most mainstream place that I could stick my face, um, you know, as a side hustle. My main hustle, of course, is always filmmaker. But I got all these side hustles, right? Podcasting, writing comic books, uh, standing on stage and being myself and doing stand-up. Um, and, you know, one of them is a pop cultural pundit, particularly for fucking comic books um, and comic book movies and shit like that. And as that goes away, that's one less platform in which to be like hi to pivot to in case yeah, something but there's so work other, there's i mean certain but there's so many other platforms like you cover like you cover a lot like essentially like there like there was the superhero and that was a fucking great thing but like 
I mean that that like that's not your that that's not your bread and butter. No, but it was very you know. Um, As, look, Kevin Smith is your bread and butter, whatever, and wherever your interests lay. The difference between you and Marvel is that you're organic. Like essentially, like you'll naturally just move on to the next thing, and you'll figure it out. And because you are you like it'll basically it'll interest the other people because it's coming from you and it's organic and you're sensing you're you know you're a sentient being that's like okay well maybe this isn't the thing to talk anymore and i mean i'm not going to put words in your mouth but maybe marvel movies aren't um like as exciting for you anymore so you're finding the next thing yeah that's there there's there've been a few comic book movies that you know, it's just like, well, I know this story. And not like in the way of like, oh, they did this back when I was a kid in issues five through fucking ten of blah, blah, blah. Talking I mean, about origin story stuff. And I don't know, that always bums me out when I'm not like super enthusiastic about a comic book movie because I always have been. Um, even before I was making films. And it's a touchstone of normalcy for me um, because in that way I, it was, I engaged in behavior. I was engaged in prior to being a filmmaker myself, i.e. content to sit in the audience and watch stories about dudes in masks and women in masks doing the right thing and shit. And the movies got better and better and shit. And they did more and more characters and, got more and more exciting because these were stories I grew up with and now I'm getting to see them again. And they were my candy, man. My, my fucking like comfort food, pack of cigarettes, potato chips, just like, Oh, I could do a fucking bag of these chocolate cake. You know, is there milk? Fuck. I'll eat the whole fucking thing. You know, the sorry. lately, lately, you know, they've, it hasn't been that. It, it just doesn't have the same feeling, um, which is like, oh, man, don't tell me I'm growing up, which I guess I should at age 53. But I don't want to do that. Like, you know, I've spent most of my career being me because and my career exists because I didn't want to grow up. I wanted an adolescence that just kept going, um, a childhood that just kept going, play, play, play. Um, and that's all I do for a living. And the moment you start going like, oh, these movies aren't all that, you know, suddenly it's like letting a piece of your child's childhood heart, your childish heart die. Um, like, you know, and, and that's never mind whether it's good for my brand or not. Uh, you know, it's like I. I liked it. I liked having something outside of me that I would never pursue myself that I could be a fan of. Like it was Gretzky for a while. And then those Marvel movies is like, oh yeah, I mean, they are movies and technically I make movies, but I'll make movies like this and I never think about it. So like I could fucking enjoy these. And, and you know, it's, it's important to be able to enjoy things. You know, that's problem. vitality. That's youth. You know who don't enjoy shit? Old people. And that's why they watch like fucking TV shows where people are like, shit was better when you were younger, right? And like, fuck yeah, and blah, blah, blah. The moment, you know, what, what is the expression? If you're 
green, you're growing. If you're ripe, you're rotting. And I, I don't want to be ripe. I don't want to be at that place where I'm like, you know, well, uh, that shit's childish. Uh, or, you know, it's repetitive and, and I need something more substantive or grown up. I like the fact that those morality tales were simple and shit. I mean, look, at I was raised Catholic. So, of course, the appeal of a, a story of a man with magical powers is always going to appeal to me on some level. Um, you know, and when they do it right, it does appeal to me, like the Spider-Verse movies they did. And I even liked Flash when it came out this no, uh, you didn't. I like don't I you did. can't say that. I'm not yeah. like I'm not putting like like I saw like uh, like I saw the flash in the best fucking circumstances ever, like in your fucking theater by myself. I ordered a pizza. Like I yeah. sat in your fucking movie theater, stoned out of my mind alone in a movie theater. And like with a pizza, and I walked out after thirty minutes. Like that movie. You didn't get. Not to, good. You didn't get to Michael Keaton Batman. That would have made like, the journey worth it. it. Like, like the thing is, is that actor who played, uh, that actor who played Flash was so awful <clears throat> that when all of a sudden there was another one of them, I'm like, fuck this. Like that, one of them one is of them. another one of them. I don't want no more of that. Like the problem with your with your Marvel, like the the fucking the legendary, it was organically meant to end. It was designed to end, like the whole thing, and it ended in a fucking incredible way. And where do you go from that? Like that's the beautiful thing about those movies that will never be changed and can't be touched. There's there's kind of like it began Iron Man ends with Endgame. And everything in between is this kind of glorious story. Like it's basically like a generation Shakespeare and it'll carry on. And those will have their place. Even if I think they're mostly dog shit, like I don't want to shit on the thing that you fucking love. You've been very, nice I don't, I, I, it, that doesn't bother me. I'm not tribal where it's like, yeah. if you shit on what I love, I fucking, you're my enemy. I'm like, I, people have different tastes and shit. And it's I funny. also realize, like, you know, I'm a 53 year old man who's into comic book movies. So that's going to like limit you, the amount of respect I get to begin with. And you're shit. not really alone. Like a lot of like, that's the thing. Like, um, like mean, our yeah, generation the, is very best, deep into this. The best in my field though, you know, are, you know, not you got to think of the Scorsese's and such who are just like this is not cinema. Um, that's but that's the thing. I'll yeah, I wouldn't argue with that. I wouldn't argue with that. I wouldn't sit there and be like I'll argue with Marty as if you I'm know gonna, what I'm gonna I'll, say I'll argue with Mar I'll argue with Martin Scorsese whether this shit's cinema or not. If you don't see it as cinema, great. I I don't necessarily see it as cinema either. Um, but I love it. Like oh, oh my no. god, it's really good. You couldn't pay me enough money to go see that new Martin Scorsese. Like, there's not enough money in the world to get me to see that new Scorsese movie. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go see it on a dare. Um, the what? The Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, like the subject matter is absolutely fucking like an important subject. Here's matter. the here. Here's the thing. Yeah, you just don't. After the year you've had, you just don't need that. Well, it's not that yeah. I don't need that, but I also don't like I don't need fucking Leonardo DiCaprio teaching. Go no further. Go no further. You don't okay. need to make enemies, especially when you're trying to start your podcasting empire again. Don't <laughs> no one needs a hot take. 
attack Leo. Maybe my maybe my podcast is about making enemies with powerful Hollywood people. That's that's not what Taylor would want, bro. Fair enough. That's the opposite. That ain't no Taylor Swift move right there. Um, but I, I mean, I did go see Taylor Swift. I was just kind of like, I should go see that. Like, I lost I interest in Martin Scorsese. I suggested to Malcolm that Malcolm take a trip down to Jersey where I own a movie theater, Smog Castle Cinemas. And he could sit there in the theater for a week straight just watching fucking the Taylor Swift movie over and over again. I mean, look, I may not be like a guy who listens to Taylor Swift on the regular, um, but I'm a fan of Taylor Swift as an exhibitor because naturally that movie of hers like brought people into our theater. They had Taylor Swift parties. Did you have um, the popcorn buckets? We sure fucking do. I drove down to Buffalo. AMC had a special bucket. It was a pink tin bucket that you could only get through AMC. And I drove down to Buffalo to get a pink bucket. That's about an hour yeah. and a half drive. See, you could have just fucking put me on a podcast. I would eBay it for you. Like the fucking snow globe. <laughs> That's your Christmas gift. Thank you very much. Like, when, when do I get it? You say it's not available anywhere yet. Well, the, no, it's not like it's. It was a pre-sale. So they'll ship it first. They'll ship, ship it to you. Down. They'll ship it mm -hmm. whenever they're going to ship it. Yeah. So I can't get in a fight with you for a while. I yeah, that's be, right. Gotta we got fucking. Got play. I got to play it cool. Um, it's funny, like you, like I, I actually kind of like, uh, like I feel a chapter turned in my life. Like I don't, like I don't think I'm gonna, I don't want to make documentaries anymore. Is that like right? I, yeah, I'm done. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, like basically. You're good I, at I, it. Why would you stop doing something you're good at? I, I think it's a young man's game, and I think I made kind of like, well, oh. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I like. And it takes a lot out of you, man. And it's like, I never, like, uh, I don't know. Like, it, it was a really tough game. I made a lot of queer movies that, like, social issue documentaries. And, like, some of them never got bought. It was, it was a, you know, it was a hard journey doing, making those docs. And in the end, it's just kind of like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to use the word artist, but I don't know I'll say like an artist's life isn't like I've been so lucky that I've lived in the same rent control department for over 20 years or I don't know what I would do. You know what I mean? It's like the, everybody is suffering right now. Like everybody's in a really weird place and I'm kind of like, I don't know. And it's just, I like I had, I had great glory in, in like it, my my greatest like there's a day where i had my documentary gave me my fucking greatest glory and my biggest shameful moment and and it all happened in washington dc that would like if there is a heaven and my father is there my father went from glorious pride to awful shame in within an hour <laughs> uh, look kids i know this story and it's fucking epic um but i i feel you should save it till episode 10 build up a head of steam make people i mean would you come back for the story oh yeah in a heartbeat 
You act like I was involved in the story. I, I'm just who you told maybe first. You're like, I don't want no piece of this story. No, and I just want to make it clear that I'm not at the receiving end or the giving end of the story. I was just, the story was shared with me shortly after it happened. And it is, no no lie, a bloody fucking tale. It's the whole uh, bloody affair. But I will, yeah, I'll fucking definitely do show 10 when we talk about it. But you've got I, left to, you can't even, fucking, you were going to do that episode one? Well, you got to go big, right? I don't know, man. Like I got, and after that, it's like, well, I could talk about Taylor Swift again. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, that's how you lose Taylor, right? Like, if you ever any hope in hell of getting Taylor as a guest one day, you don't want to be sitting there opening with the bloody fucking affair story. Like, oh, good Lord. I told that story to a woman because I left Washington after the the tale and I went to Palm, to, uh, sorry, to uh, Provincetown. And uh, like, I was so kind of shocked from the experience that I met the head of the Provincetown Film Festival who was greeting me with my film Out to Win, which was this, you know, documentary about um, uh, gay people in sports. It was a very dignified movie. And like, she's very much looking forward to see me and stuff. And then like, she gets me a, a, a glass of champagne as I arrive and I sit down and I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody yet. She's literally like, I'd been traveling the whole time. And so I sit down and I just begin to tell her the story. And like, literally after I finished, she just walked away. And the co-director who I was friends with looked at me and said like, what the fuck? Did, like, why did you tell her that story? It's one of those stories. I guess we're talking about it too much without actually getting into it. You got to know your audience. And that lady did not know that she did not need to know that story. I but I just needed to tell somebody. I, like, the I, blowhard I, I, audience will need to know the story. And if you stick around till episode, the story 10, will come. It'll come hard. I That's know. Part of, it's it was of, like it was great to like. I mean, it's funny. Like, I'll totally admit. Like, one of the reasons that I got because I've been talking about it back and forth. Like, oh, you should do a podcast. And uh, like my mother actually asked about it during the pandemic, um, mm. who sadly now passed. And she was like, we should do that podcast. And I was like, are you out of your fucking mind? Like, like that podcast, like doing that podcast with my mother. And I'm so happy that it still exists. Like she thought she wanted to do a podcast. My mother did not want to do a podcast. But <laughs> I've, been, I've been thinking about her for a while. And then I swear, like, I saw, like, the, the Kreischer thing. Like, and you were on it, and I was like, holy shit. Like, like, we, like, look, I mean, you were very much, like, you did the most generous thing, and it's the thing that you always do. And it, it's one of the, like, I, I don't think people understand how, like, and I'm not sucking your dick because I already got the snow globe. Um <laughs> But, like, the thing about you is you're the guy that, like, I didn't even, like, I had been on your podcast once and offered to fucking cut off my, like, like I was literally the fucking stooge on one of your podcasts um, that Walt was on. And it's yeah. so funny. And then all of a sudden, at one point, like, you were just, like, you said to your friends, like, you guys should start podcasts. And you were the motivator. Like, it wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like, you really 
motivating your friends to go out and do podcasts and it's just kind of like you know like it, it it's it, you, like you had the foresight but it just kind of like the it you're incredibly generous so essentially like watching you talk about it and then watching bert kreischer i'm like hey i, I like to not wear a shirt too and i'm fat um like <laughs> I, I, I was kind of like uh man it was great to do that podcast and like literally it's like i understand it's an overcrowded field it's not like you know i'm not expect like fucking like bird crisis put a lot into his career and stuff and it's not whatever but it's like look i did like because of you i did my podcast in front of an audience and like the thing is the model you built when you're watching the chrysler thing like you built this fucking model but you just didn't have the fucking greed behind you you didn't have, like because you're not you're not a greedy person you're you you very much you like the fucking small hustle. You like to get the fucking, you know what I mean? But you're not, you don't, you don't worry about creating a dynasty. And I think that's why dynasty has organically created around you. You've created a dynasty because you didn't go into this saying, I'm going to create this fucking dynasty. But when you talk to Christ and those guys, like you created that model and like, like Joe Rogan, when they're like, I remember like those ads for like, I still fucking have one of them cock pumps what is it the what are the cock oh, pumps fleshlight like fleshlight. i remember like i was doing ads for fleshlight and stuff and like all of a sudden like joe rogan soon after like you you're the one who fucking got that deal and all of a sudden like now joe rogan turned the huge business so you literally kind of were very much very much a part of creating a framework which now these guys are fucking used, like have fucking taken off and are turning. And it's kind of the same model that you did. Like essentially they created a tour business through their podcast I and mean, their comics, but that got out there. Like it's, it's a, it's an interesting model. I mean, like, I, like, I don't have, you know, delusions of grandeur and stuff. I literally, it's just kind of like, um, I really, like, I want to do something and I want to like, you know, I really want to, uh, I want to start doing something. And I don't think I want to, I don't think, I, I don't think I want to be a documentary filmmaker, but the thing about it is being a documentary filmmaker is it, its own kind of podcasting. I'm having conversations with people, but it's just like, I don't have to go out and raise like money. And, and you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, I can make my own mini documentaries. There you go. That's, there it is right there, man. You do it for the talking cure, man. You need to get some shit off your chest. You need to be heard on the subject. You need to share Taylor. Like I shared weed when I became a stoner and I was like, oh my God, did you know that weed grows anywhere? And like fucking, we have cannabinoid receptors in our brains. It's meant for us, man. You know, you're a recent convert. I don't think I could do too much. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll always keep it a little, like, you know, I'll always add a little Taylor and stuff, but I don't know. Like Taylor is a weird one. Cause like, here's the thing. Like I've seen the movie, the drive in twice. And I'm like this fucking like old dude in alone in a car, like one, please like showing up, like sitting alone in a car. And the sad thing is you're not even like masturbating in the car. You're like no. probably 
crying at some of these songs. You're like, yes, love house. I, I, <laughs> I do. There's certain songs that shake literally... the snow globe, shake it off and shake that snow globe of the love house. <laughs> it's my favorite era. It is. I love that era. Why can't I... we live in that era forever? The song, <laughs> the song, like, Lover. Sarah, will you please pull out? The show's been over for a half an hour. I just um, want to stay parked here and think about it. Did you go to see it in that drive-in that you and I drove past? Yes. Twice. By yourself? Yeah. Did you bring food? Uh, Yeah, and I brought weed, and I just sat there. I actually, even one night was warm enough, I have a little uh, mini radio portable radio tape player thing, and I put batteries in it, and I sat in a fat guy, like one of them camp chairs, and I sat outside smoking weed, listening through my fucking uh, my little uh, my little boom box, listening to the thing, sitting outside. It was it was it was purely glorious. Like hey, if you have seen my face. Like, sounds like you're living your best life and have one of your best days, one of those moments that you're like, you know what? Life was perfect right then. Um That's it was it was man. a good moment. Fucking we you and I, when we were kids, we looked for, you know, a uh, young man's gold of success and, and notoriety and fucking money if there was that. You know, freedom. I was never looking for money. I just wanted fucking freedom. But turns out freedom is money is freedom. But the older we get, like the young man's gold just don't, it's not nearly as appetizing and suddenly you start realizing that old man's gold is a much rarer yet easier to obtain because you know you could you could find pure joy that we couldn't find in youth simply just sitting there smoking weed in a drive-in watching taylor swift like you've you run you've run a race or two and i'm not saying your race is done but you've run your race you've proven yourself fucking got a movie to sundance fucking been all over the world with your art and you know in a world where you're like i don't want to make documentaries anymore it's clear that's not where you're going to find happiness or peace wherever you find it lean into it and you found it sitting in the drive-in by yourself, smoking some weed, watching Taylor Swift. That's precious and fucking rare. And we didn't understand that when we were young. And now that we're older, it's much easier. There's much more clarity to see it's possible to find the real gold without fucking going very far at all. Because the real gold is peace. Peace and joy. Yeah, that Peace too. Joy, like essentially, my my mantras right now are find joy and keep moving. Because like during the pandemic, I got fucking really, I got really fat, and I had and I'm having to get a steroid, which gain which makes you gain weight, which I didn't need to do. So I ended up like gaining a lot of weight. In some fact, it was fucking fucking with my legs, and I was like, oh my god! Like all of a sudden, I got old. And I realized that, like, by putting on extra weight and my body wasn't able to support it so much, I'm like, you know, is this it for fucking zombie shakes? Like, is this, is this like, 
is this it? Like I had a real, and essentially like, you know, you know, my mother passed away and then my brother passed away. And then all of a sudden, like, it was like, you know, the fucking scepter of death just really, it's a heavy, you know, it's a heavy thing hanging over your head. I gotta be honest. I, I was there for the first episode of Blowhard back in the day, back in the day, it was like, let me tell you fucking stories about rubbing cock in my on my lips and tongue. I was gonna like the thing about it is I've been having clownery is gone. Sex. The clown is gone now. It's all sad clowns, Pagliacci and shit. Yeah, what's the point of nibbling on dick anymore? It's all fucking rigged. <laughs> no man, I found fucking I found joy and bliss in Taylor Swift. I just can't keep talking about Taylor Swift. You gotta sell. Get out there and sell. You're the saying game. I'm not. I'm not a proper like, but I'm not a good gay representative. I've never been. Make a it good sound gay. fun. Make remind him of the freedom. Tell him how awesome it is to be able to fucking just fucking go on that app and be like, "Come fucking eat it, eat eat my dick, and then leave." Like that's that's the last the time we saw each other it was a very funny moment because there was a guy who was texting me, like the night before. We kind of hung out and whatever. And then in the morning, you had stuff to do. And then... No, you went to deliver a poster. And then you were like, I'm going to stop by a public restroom for a rendezvous. Yeah, it's great. Like, one thing about being gay is that if you want to blow in a tunnel, chances are you could probably get yourself a blow in a tunnel. There's these apps. There and, you go. Um, Let's just stop and appreciate that. That's selling the lifestyle right there. Well, yeah, like you're all like the thing about the thing about being gay is you're always five minutes from a blowjob with these. That's the blowhard people tuned in for, not this fucking <laughs> sad sack <laughs> bullshit where my, my wife smashed her hip and you're like, everything's wrong and only Taylor Swift makes sense. It's funny because I went back to the theater, and you and Ernie were sitting there and uh, and I told you guys what I did. Um. And then, uh, like, it, it's so funny because, and then I left, and then I basically drove back to Toronto. And then I went home. I was just like, what was Ernie thinking? Like, Malcolm. But what did you do? What did you do? I didn't do anything. That's what I'm saying. So, what like, was I, met, I met up with Ernie the was, guy. Ernie I met... was probably thinking, what kind of a gay man can't close the deal? Really? I thought he'd be more like, what the fucking, why is he having gay sex around my high school? No. Ernie's, Ernie's, Ernie's way cool with fucking gay people. He's a people. liberal? He likes, well, I'm not saying he's not cool with gay people. He's more, like, he'll, he's more, he'd be more baffled though, but hearing all the stories about your insane <laughs> coxmanship and how you're always fucking closing the deal that you didn't close the deal up at the public restroom and shit. Which, by the way, I walk up there all the time, so whenever I walk past it, I think about that. I'm like, oh my god, this is where Malcolm <laughs> pulled up and pulled out. <laughs> I fucking pulled up, and I didn't fucking, I didn't get a suck. And that dude, and that dude wasn't even looking for a suck. He was there to offer a suck. He was going to give so a suck. You judged him. You were like, you're not worthy. You're not worthy to suck it. In a way, he had to scamper and shit. And could you imagine, like, that guy had, I don't, who knows where he came from, but, you know, it probably took a, a ride to get there and shit. And now he's got to drive all the way back to his place going, like, that guy didn't want me. That guy <laughs> didn't want me. <laughs> he 
could barely walk. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with it? You think you need Taylor Swift? That motherfucker's probably got Taylor Swift in both ears right now. I literally, I literally, I literally limped up to our fucking location. (laughs) Oh, no doubt. He probably saw you as like, oh, I'm probably going to do this old codger a favor and shit. And then you're like, nope, you're not good enough for this dick. And he was like, that guy judged me. (laughs) I had a blank spot and I was going to write his name, but he fucking, well, now I got bad blood. He was like, I got to get to a record store and buy a Taylor Swift album as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah, that'll fucking shape the rest of the day, bro. I guess I have to be a better gay. You know the problem going to Atlantic High? Every time I went to Atlantic High, every time I came to the theater, like the thing is you get this phenomenon of fresh meat. And essentially, like Asbury Park is right down the road. So like... And that's where the big gay hotel is, right? Well, that's where the, a lot of the gay goes on. The gay goes a lot, on. A lot, a lot of gay, but there's a lot of gay men there. The gay app tells me these things, and boy, that's a that's a Canadian gay. Around. Canadian gay exclaims, "That's where the gay goes on." The, the Asbury Park is a you know we we gentrified that area. We made it nicer for for you people. We kind of um, came in there. We're like, we're gonna open up a coffee shop and uh, and maybe. Uh, you know, a couple of bars, and all of a sudden, everybody's like, "It's okay to be here now." And now it's a fucking. It's, he's not wrong. I'll be honest with you. Like uh, I remember reading in the New York Times. God, this is back when I moved out here. So you're talking almost 25 years ago. Um, that Asbury Park was being gentrified by the gay community from New York moving down and buying real estate and whatnot. So he's Malcolm's not wrong. He knows what he's talking about. Look. Malcolm Ingram knows two things, cock and real estate. Listen to him whenever he talks about either. His mom was a realtor, so he knows a thing or two about real estate, particularly the homes of Hollywood. (laughs) He certainly knows that. You know, I don't even know if he knows his way around a cock so much as he knows how to come. He knows how to get someone to get the come out of him. And that's, that's, that's what we all want in life, man or woman. You just want to find people who can pull the come out of you. I'm a lazy lover, too. You don't give up the ass, right? You're, I get, you're well, I, I've, I've, I've given up the ass. Oh, I you're mean, I've ass. given up the ass one time. Um, you're you're no, I've given up the ass. Um, the thing- why do you have to be a ass taker? When you get older, you gotta... And the thing is, when you get older, you get fatter because your fucking dick gets smaller when you get fatter because you're fucking that fat pad on your fucking like just grows that like that must have been an experience like you must have had that experience Once like again, when you're fucking your dick just really fucking not selling to your audience man never mind don't gross them out you want to make it all sound <laughs> attractive but you're like oh you got that fat look like, i think i fat, I fat think overweight it's... penis who the fuck wants it look Nobody it's relatable it. it's relatable i'm being relatable oh, no. I don't know, dude. I think the young people like go TikTok and see what's relatable. And there's no middle-aged. I ain't getting the TikTok. My fucking old cock is tiny and useless. I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're putting words in my mouth. No, but you're fucking like essentially when you get fatter, 
you're fucking like obviously you don't want like in my particular purpose i don't know what your instance but as you fucking get fatter you fucking like the fat around your fucking crotch all of a sudden grows and when that happens it fucking takes away inches from your dick because essentially the fat is growing around that's just a fact dude you hear that twinks (laughs) have you ever been sold so uh luxuriously on a fucking future with a cock yeah maybe it's maybe it's time to bottom it up bottoms up oh is that oh that's your big move that's how oh see there's your fucking pitch and angle for blowhard volume two this time he's this time he's yeah bottoms up this time he's not this time he's at the bottom. So dot 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 bottoms up exclamation point. But I'm a proud. I'd be a proud bottom though. Doesn't like restarting. Just... Restarting from the bottom. Look, just because I fucking take a cock in the ass doesn't make me a bad person. Nobody said that. I know, but, but I'm just saying. Like, but hot take. It's gonna go far, dude. That gonna... that more than. Let me tell you about my fat fucking flabby penis. It's not worth it. <laughs> thing, you know the problem. I mean, the biggest problem with anal sex is that oh my god, it hurts. Oh my god, nobody right? asked. Nobody asked. This is not selling. Fucking, if you want to be listed as a gay podcast, you can't be like being like, you know what's, you know what's painful about. Fucking anal sex is the anal sex. <laughs> but I, any, but anybody who has, gets, you, you've obviously never been fucked in the ass. Because when you get fucked in the ass, the thing that you realize, like you, you gotta really like. I'm not experienced enough to have the pleasure pain thing. For me, it's still like, oh my god. You sound like Kevin Bacon and JFK. You're like, um, problem, Mister Garrison, is you ain't never been fucked in the ass. I mean, but once you've been fucked in the ass, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's you know this wife that your pain speaks of. It might not be that bad, but like it is a man, like literally, like the thing about the, 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 the it's friction and it's pounding something in your ass. It's creating a friction to make you come. So the fucking friction is going in like a, a, I believe you the, the fulcrum of your fucking you know your epicenter. Yeah, it's a true. lot going on. You don't so like a, this bottom thing. It's a big commitment. Um, I no, I mean, look, somebody's somebody's got to take the picture. Um, I ain't against it. I don't think you're I for just, it. I, I think it's interesting marketing hook. Bottom, bottoms up. Well, now, like now, I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking like because the thing about it is is that like. You know, I mean, in, in jail terms, like, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> the bottom is in a very respected position. Never thought I'd have become out of conversation that fucking included in jail terms. Well, yeah. But like, you know, if I'm having jailhouse sex, I'm a I'm a bottom bitch. Um, I say you fucking suspend your thought right there. That's the hottest way to end your podcast. Well, thank you so much, Kevin Smith, for joining us on the first and hopefully not last fucking blowhard. Thank you. I hope you can drive them all away. Remember, kids, being gay is fun. Don't listen to Malcolm. It's not a chore. It's freedom. 
freedom there you go ladies and gentlemen that was blowhard um number one well we did a bunch before but number one version two or version three there's been some versions anyway thank you so much for listening um I've opened up a, a thing, a Mercantile Instinct. It's at www.mercantileinstinct.com. It's where you could buy. We did a Blu-ray for Clark. If there's any physical nerds out there like myself who've been looking for um, a Blu-ray of the documentary I did on Kevin, um, it's at our website, uh, www.mercantileinstinct.com. Um and uh, we're going to continue blowhard, but I think we're going to jump into video. Uh, that seems to be the way the kids are doing it these days. So the next time, you're going to get to see how fat I got. Um, anyway, I hope everybody's having a, a good day. Thank you for spending some time with me. Let's do it again. Fucking blowhard. <laughs>